Tonight's reading comes from James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. It uh, can be found on page 977 of the Blue Bibles or in your handout. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and immediately after looking at himself, goes away and forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Consider... Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Good evening, friends. It's great to see you. If I haven't met you, uh, my name is Baden, and it's my great privilege to uh, oversee the work here at St Stephen's. Um, Let me invite you to take a Bible and open it there at uh, James chapter 1. You'll find also a uh, copy of that uh, Bible reading in the handouts that you received as you walked in. Uh, It's a great thing we do every Sunday. We open the Word. We seek to understand what God is saying to us through the Word. We need His help to do that. So uh, join with me as we ask for His help tonight. Uh, Loving Heavenly Father, we come to you uh, this evening... And uh, we ask for your help that as we open your holy word, you would speak to us, you would speak to your people, you would help us understand how we ought to live, and uh, you would do a powerful work by your spirit that we might not just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers of the word, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Friends, we are continuing our short holiday series in the book of James this evening, and it's entitled Faith That Works. And you might think of it as a bit of a continuation of our teaching series in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, Through term two, we've been doing a lot of thinking about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord uh, as we've worked our way through Matthew's Gospel. And here in James, we begin to think a bit about what that looks like. And we're going to come back to this short series at the end of term three. We're going to take a detour in term three, do some other things and come back to James. But the overarching message of this letter uh, from James is that genuine faith genuinely affects our lives. True faith is a faith that works. Through this series, we're going to see how faith impacts every area of life. It impacts how we suffer. It impacts how we speak, how we manage money, how we pray. It impacts every area of life. Now, you will know that it is a letter uh, by James, the half-brother of Jesus. And the decision to follow Jesus had been a very momentous decision for James. Remember that Jesus was born of Mary, but Joseph and Mary, the New Testament says, had at least six other children by natural descent, and James was probably the oldest of those children. Uh, He was not a believer in Jesus for many years. Maybe he was jealous Maybe he was angry. He was certainly blind and unbelieving. But when Jesus rose from the dead, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us 
that the Lord Jesus went to meet with his half-brother James. And the next thing we discover in the New Testament is that James is not only part of the church, but he has become a great leader in the church. This is the same James who emerges as the clear leader of the church in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15. And he is absolutely transformed. He is a brand new person. He is not just moderately persuaded of the truth of the gospel as if Christianity had become his new hobby. Uh, No, he is 180 degrees revolutionized. And that is why the letter is such a searching letter because James has been so radically, profoundly changed. He writes as one who wants us to grasp how radically he was changed so that we will be changed as well. And James writes, if you have your Bibles open there, he writes in verse 1 to God's New Testament people scattered throughout the nations. He's writing to you, New Testament believers scattered throughout the nations. And we saw last week in the first part of chapter 1, he reminds them uh, that God has a purpose in the trials that they were going through, through them, God was building spiritual muscle. He was making them spiritually fit. And he finishes that section at the end of uh, chapter 1 there, verse 18, with a reminder that it was the gospel that had saved them. Uh, Look there at verse 18, if you have your Bibles open. He says, God chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that is, through the gospel, through the message of Jesus, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. God chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Uh, You see, it is as we hear the message of Jesus, as we hear the message of Jesus crucified and risen and the message of the Holy Spirit poured out into our lives that we are brought to new spiritual life. But Just as the gospel is able to bring us, first of all, to salvation, it is also able to help us make progress as Christians. And that is the essence of this section uh, here in James uh, chapter 1, verses 19 to 27 that we're going to look at. That is, if we want to make progress as Christians, uh, God doesn't give us a stick to beat ourselves with. No, he gives us a word, his word, and Uh, It is uh, a word which has power to bring us to new life and it has power to help us grow as Christians so that our faith will be deeper, our hope will be richer and our joy will be stronger. And there are three things that James emphasizes in this section about God's word. He says that we are to be hearing the word, we are to be doing the word And we are to be showing the word. Hear, do, show. Uh, Those are the three points of today's sermon. So look there at verse 19. Uh, Crucially, it's important to realize that all of these verses, this whole section is all about, uh, it begins and ends. So it's all about the activity of hearing and receiving God's word. And look at the stress that he places on it as he talks about hearing the word. Verse 19, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, 
and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, uh, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So we are to be hearers of and we are to be those who are quick to listen to God's words. And of course, this always sounds like a very obvious thing to say, doesn't it? That uh, we must listen to God's word. But you know as well as I do that it is completely possible to sit in church or to sit in Bible study or to read the Bible in your personal quiet times and for your mind to be completely on another planet. Maybe it's just me. Um, I've certainly sat in church and my mind is completely elsewhere. I'm working out difficulties, I'm, I, I, I'm working out conversations that I've had and I'm solving problems from the, from the great to the trivial, from concerns about cost of living to, to whether Johnny Bairstow's stumping in the second Ashes test was legitimate and I've resolved that undoubtedly it was absolutely legitimate. Um, my, my mind can be completely elsewhere. Um, but James says... Take note of this. Sit up and pay attention, he's saying. Take note, my dear brothers and sisters. Be quick to listen to God's word. And by crafting it in the, as a command, this is in the imperative, uh, he's saying that being quick to listen to God's word is not merely a function of our anatomy. No, uh, it is a deliberate decision and an act of our will. It is a decision and an act of our will to listen and pay attention to God's word. Do you know that in the church where I grew up, uh, the kids stayed in for church. Uh, Sunday school was held before the morning service, which was at 11 a.m. And uh, the kids would have their kids' lessons before the adults. And then from kindergarten upwards, we would all sit in for church. And I have to say, I, I really loved being there. Um, I love singing the songs, I love listening to the adults say and do the various adult things, but when it came to the sermon, it was something of a different story. And uh, the church uh, building in which I grew up was a brick building, and let me tell you, when it came time for the sermon, uh, as a kid I got very familiar with the bricks on the wall behind the pulpit uh, in the church. I, I knew which ones had the odd shapes, the shades, the different colours, and and I knew uh, which had the shape like the elephant over here and the shape like the bear over there. It's certainly in my imagination that was true. I never quite managed to count how many bricks there were because my mind would wander so much that by the time I got to row 10, I had wandered from that task as well and I'd have to start again. One, two, uh, three. And for me, the sermon became a bit like the droning of the TV on in the background. You know, that kind of drone of the TV in the background when you're at home, it's just kind of on. And uh, like the noise of traffic on a busy road, you, as a kid, just learn to kind of screen it out. And my parents would often ask me how I found the message this morning. And uh, I would reply, it was good. Pastor Bob really had a lot to say today. Um, uh, what was the sermon about? Um, they would ask, well, uh, it was about God, it was about Jesus, and it was about the Bible. Um, oh yeah, they would ask, what did he say about Jesus? Okay, clean, bold, middle stump, I had no idea. Uh, until I got a bit older and my parents began to encourage me to make a decision to listen. 
Make a decision of your heart to listen. Why don't you see if you can stick with the preacher the whole sermon this time and we'll have a little talk about what he said a bit later. And you know what I discovered when I did? When I made that decision of the will to listen and pay attention to God's word, I discovered that the preacher did have a lot to say and it was good stuff. It was the food of God's word. And I discovered that the sermon began to make sense and I discovered that I began to grow as a Christian. And I discovered that perhaps the blockage all of those years had not always been with the preacher, though that was undoubtedly um, sometimes the case. But very often the blockage was with me, the listener. What does James say to us as hearers of God's word? My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. The context is about listening to God's words. Uh, the Apostle Paul says something very similar in Romans chapter 10. And he says, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Uh, you see, if we want to grow as Christians, what we must do is be active listeners to God's word. And listening is an act of the will. It's an act of the will. Can I say, uh, dear friends, and I say this out of deep affection for you, but we will not hear God's word if we only rarely gather with God's people. And we will not hear God's word if we rarely open God's word. No, we must avail ourselves of the channels of grace that God has woven into the Christian life. Weekly worship, that is scripture's standards. Consistently in the New Testament, the New Testament church is described as gathering on the first day of the week for worship. And as they did, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching they devoted themselves to fellowship and they devoted themselves to prayer. Uh, when we are obedient to that standard, the standard of the New Testament, we hear God's word together. We sit under the word of God together. We do that as a community. We, we give others the blessing of fellowship. Do you know that you are a gift to your brothers and sisters? And when you arrive at church every week, you give them a gift of fellowship uh, and we take our place in the building of God's church. Make it your chief delight, brothers and sisters, to meet, to hear God's word weekly, to worship, to serve and to reach others with the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must also be disciplined in our hearing of God's word personally. And can I say that if you struggle to do that, uh, could I encourage you to start small with a few verses each day before you work up to chapters and books of the Bible? Um, uh, you don't need a grand plan. Uh, most grand plans fail. That's my experience of grand plans. Um, but don't not start either. Don't not start either. If you struggle to concentrate in your quiet times, make use of some, some supports. Uh, when I'm doing my quiet time and, and I find that my mind is a bit foggy, I use a Bible app on my phone that has scripture on it and a well-practiced reader reads scripture to me and I find it immensely encouraging to have my Bible open 
and someone reading scripture to me. I find that very encouraging. You've got to work out uh, what works for you, but don't not start. You need to start and you need to let the discipline grow. We are to be quick to listen to God's word. And notice that James goes on immediately to sketch out some other barriers to hearing God's word. And the first is too much talking, not enough listening. Verse 19, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Uh, Quick to listen and slow to speak. We all know the old adage that uh, we have two ears and one mouth. Uh, Therefore, we should listen twice as much as we speak. And uh, though that's a little bit cliched, um, it's certainly true. Um, uh, You know, it is estimated that the average person speaks about 18,000 words a day. Uh, That is two 200-page paperbacks produced every week, 230 uh, books a year. A fifth of the average life is spent speaking. For some, that is undoubtedly more. Uh, And um, the million-dollar question is... What is our attitude to our words uh, versus God's words? Uh, Which do we feel is more interesting? Which do we feel is more important? Our tendency, and you can tell me if you you, you agree with this, is to be quick to speak and slow to listen. James says the reverse should be true. We are to be quick to value God's word over ours. Next, James highlights... Uh, Anger as another barrier to hearing. We should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. What does he mean? He means that anger uh, on both the horizontal and the vertical axis can stop us from hearing God's word. When relationships sour in a church community, it is a great barrier to hearing God's word. But when those relationships are restored... Uh, It opens great new joy and great new opportunity to hear God's word. It it is also possible to nurse an angry spirit toward God uh, personally that stops us hearing his word. When disappointments come in life or in the Christian life, uh, they can be a catalyst for anger toward God. It's almost like we uh, tend to strike some kind of mental bargain with God that says, God, if you make life great for me, I'll listen to you. If you don't make life great, I won't listen. James urges us to be careful of whatever causes us to be deaf to God's word. And anger is one. Human anger is a barrier to the righteous life God desires us to develop, verse 20 says. And then thirdly, James highlights worldliness as another key barrier to our hearing. Verse 21, he says, we are to rid ourselves of all moral filth. And the evil that is so prevalent. Friends, I don't need to tell you that we are living in a time of great and increasing wickedness. When people have stopped listening to God's word and they are busy indulging their own evil desires. Uh, This is not a new thing. Uh, You'll see it in various ways in every generation. But James says, for the people of God, we are not to be like that. Instead, he says, verse 21, we are to rid ourselves of all moral filth and the evil prevalent in our world and do what? Humbly receive the word planted in us, which 
can save. And the super encouraging thing to note here is that as New Testament believers, God's word is not something that is external to us and we can't grasp it and we can't understand it. No, remember the promise back in uh, Jeremiah 31, the promise of the new covenant, when God said that in the time of the new covenant, I will write my law in their hearts. I will write it on, uh, on, on their new hearts. You see, as New Testament believers, God plants his word in our hearts and he seals us with the Holy Spirit who gives us the ability to grasp his word and the ability to understand his word and the ability to obey his word. And the path to Christian growth is to humbly receive and obey that word he has planted in us. Our posture in this is crucial. If we sit in a high chair like a judge looking down on God's word, judging God's word, uh, we will find that it will ruin our listening. But if we sit in the low chair like a learner, it will profoundly bless our listening. If you find that your attitude towards God's word is becoming opinionated or that you find yourself standing in judgment over God's word, can I ask you, can I plead with you, brothers and sisters, to ask God to rescue you from that posture, to allow you to adopt the right posture, the posture of true humility, to humbly receive the word that has been planted in us, which can save us. When we do, we'll be greatly blessed and we will grow. So James' first point, we are to be hearers of God's word. Uh, secondly, and moving more quickly now, we are not just to be hearers, but we are to be doers of the word. Verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, but goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. What's he saying? He's saying that we are not to be people who are charmed by God's word, but we are not changed by God's word. We must not be people who are charmed by God's word, but not changed by God's word. King Herod was a man who was charmed by God's word, but not changed by God's word. In Mark chapter 6, for example, we read that King Herod loved to listen to John the Baptist discoursing on the word of God. But in his own personal life, King Herod was a ratbag and he was a villain. He was charmed, but he was not changed by God's word. James says we are not to be like that. To do so would be to deceive ourselves, verse 22. We are not to be like the person who five minutes after the closing song at church or the benediction at church, uh, the closing words at church, or after reading a passage of scripture in our quiet times that was particularly convicting, uh, goes out and lives exactly the same way as we ever have with no change. To do so, and James gives a striking image in verse 23, uh, to do so is to be like the person who looks at themselves in the mirror, then immediately forgets what they look like. What's he saying there? What's, what's that image all about? He's saying that the word of God 
The Bible, the scriptures, has fantastic explanatory power. As we read the Bible, as we study the Bible, as we meditate on the Bible, the Bible studies us. God's word studies us. It exposes our blind spots. It shows us what we are like. Uh, It exposes our failures. Reading God's word is like looking into a mirror. And just as a little aside, I have to say that uh, this is one of the key things that keeps me going as a Christian. Uh, In those times when I find myself re-examining the foundations of faith, I've come to a, a bit of a roadblock and I need to go back and work out what the foundations are again. Um... Uh, I I find that the more I read scripture, the more I read God's word, I see how the Bible actually captures the human condition with striking accuracy. It describes what I see around me every day and it describes what I know to be true of my own heart. Uh, It diagnoses the human condition with striking accuracy. And so aside from the historical foundations of the faith, which uh, I, I, I believe are very credible as well, it is the explanatory power of the scriptures, the fact that these scriptures show me to me, they help me understand me and my world, uh, I find it very faith building. So reading God's word is like looking into a mirror, but when we listen to such a compelling word, but five minutes later we show no signs of ever being affected by it or even acting on what it reveals to us about ourselves, Uh, is to be deceived. Instead, James says, verse 25, the one who looks intently into the perfect word that gives freedom, not forgetting what has been revealed, but obeys it wholeheartedly, they will be greatly blessed. I was reminded this week of Jonathan Edwards, um, uh, one of the finest minds uh, produced Uh, out of the United States. Uh, He was also a very, very fine pastor and theologian of the 18th century. And do you know what he used to pray for his congregation? He used to pray that in the course of singing the hymns, in the course of the reading and the prayers and hearing God's word preached, he used to pray that the affections of his congregation would be turned to God that there would be a profound work of the Holy Spirit so that the affections of his congregation would be turned to God such that all kinds of sins and foolishness would be turned away from and repented of. It is a great prayer for a pastor or any Christian to pray uh, and it is James's exhortation here that we would look into the perfect word of God and we would obey it from the heart. So we are to be hearing the word. We are to be doing the word, and finally, we are to be showing the word. Look there at verse 26. Uh, Those who consider themselves religious, and uh, that phrase is kind of shorthand for saying, those who have uh, placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who do that and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So uh, James grows progressively more practical in his call for us to respond to God's word. We are to hear it, we are to do it, 
And now James sketches three ways in which we can show it. This is not an exhaustive list of how to show uh, God's word. He sketches three areas, pure speech, pure care, and pure lives. And there is a sense in which James is kind of giving a summary of, of what he develops in uh, the back half of the letter. He expands on these ideas uh, throughout the rest of the letter. But the key question James is asking is, how will we show that we have received a new life from God, that we have received the word that has been planted in us? The first area he highlights is the purity of our speech. He asks literally, these are the words he uses, have we put a bridle on our tongue? And is our speech and our chatter affected and informed by the word of God that has been planted within us? James goes so far as to say in verse 26 that if we profess Christian faith but do not keep a tight rein on our tongue, if we engage in slander or gossip or foul speech, our profession of faith is worthless. God has put his word within us. What is the quality of the words that come from us? Secondly, James addresses the purity of our care, particularly our care of the needy. Verse 27, he identifies widows and orphans in the Old Testament. This was a significant theme of God's law. And, uh, of course, in identifying uh, care for the needy, the frail and the familyless, James is not suggesting that we can uh, fund or fix the problems of a broken world. Uh, the Lord Jesus in his ministry said in this age that will not occur. The poor you will always have with you, said the Lord Jesus uh, in this age. Certainly it's encouraging the degree to which the Christian church does stand behind many of the great works of charity right across the world. That is true. And that is why at St. Stephen's we are committed to supporting Anglicare Anglican Aid and Compassion as vital mission partners because of the vital work they do in caring for the familyless and the needy. And at a personal level, we can also care for those who come into our fellowship and we can care for those beyond it. And as we have opportunity, we can play a practical and sacrificial role in looking after those in need. So James asks us to examine our attitudes and our actions in this area how pure is our care? And the last thing James touches on is the purity of our lives. Verse 27, that is that there must be a new carefulness in how we relate to the world. That as we live in the world, we will not become polluted, infected or in, uh, destroyed by the world's standards. James says back in chapter 1, he says, uh, God is light. In God there is no evil. God is not a God who is swayed by, affected by, or who engages in or plays with evil. And the challenge for the Christian in this age is to be a person who, who relates compassionately and winsomely and lovingly to the world, but who demonstrates all the while we belong to another king. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, we must keep ourselves from being polluted by this world's standards which are passing away. So, while there is much more practical advice to come in the letter, as we will see, here with a few brushstrokes today, James makes his plea today. Are we hearing 
Are we doing, are we showing the word of God at work? Do we have a faith that is working? Do we have a living faith in a living God? That is the key question James puts to us today. Let's ask for God's help as we seek to hear, as we seek to do, and as we seek to show. Let's ask for God's help. Almighty God, our Father, we pray that you will spare us from being deaf to your word. We pray that you will spare us from uh, deceiving ourselves in hearing but not obeying, not doing your word. And by your Holy Spirit, help us to tangibly show the word planted within us. Grant us a faith that works. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.